0: So today we're going to get started and I got a treat for you. You ready for this? Yes. You got to promise me one thing. Tell your neighbor, I am, I am going to laugh. Now, I hope you meant it. All right. Cause it's contingent upon whether you go to heaven or not. No, let me stop. No, no, no. So a little girl was sitting on her grandfather's lap and she noticed how wrinkled his face was. And as she contemplated the difference, the difference between her face and his, she said, granddaddy, did God make you? He laughed and he said, yeah, honey, God made me a long time ago. She said, well, did God make me? He said, yeah, baby, but God made you just a little while ago. She thought about it in silence for a while. And then she said, granddaddy, God's getting better, isn't he? <laughs> some of you got it. Some of you did it. Go back to the podcast, check it out for yourself, think about it. Listen, I figured today we'd start off with a little something to lighten the mood in light of the fact that we've been uh, on a series entitled Walk This Way. And today we're actually going to be covering a very serious and necessary topic. Very serious topic. Um, we're going to be talking about conflict today. Conflict, right? Now, over the last weeks, we've been on this series entitled Walk This Way. And what we've, we've been learning a lot from this guy named James. And James was... Uh, no ordinary person, just like you're not ordinary. He, uh, he was related to Jesus, as a matter of fact. He was Jesus' younger brother. And the scriptures give us evidence that there was a time where James did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He wasn't unlike you and me. There was a time when you and I did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Oh, you don't understand. I grew up in church. I've known Jesus all my life. You heard about Jesus, but there came a point where you came to know Jesus for yourself personally. And so James was not, like, uh, was not unlike us. James grew to such an extent after the resurrection of Christ that he not only came to believe in Jesus, but he came to become the pastor, the leader of the early church, the church that was primarily made up of Jewish uh, men and women, Jewish people who had come to believe that Jesus was the son of God. But James was leading the church, the early church doing during uh, some very difficult times, some tumultuous times. They were enduring great persecutions. They were being executed for their faith. They wrestled with opposing views about what it meant to to be a follower of Jesus. And in the midst of all this, they faced much conflict within their ranks and without their ranks. And so God inspired James to remind them of what it means to walk with God and to walk with each other through this journey of life so that they would not lose their way and they wouldn't lose the essence of what their faith was all about. So today we're going to be picking up in James chapter 4, which piggybacks upon last week's topic on the use of our words. How many of you were here last weekend? Mm -hmm. You were here. How many of you were blessed by last weekend's service? I pray that it encouraged you. I know it challenged you. I know it challenged me. I'm telling you that definitely challenged me. You can always go on our website at ctbny.com. Uh, look up under the media links. You can listen to the podcast. Soon enough, we'll be streaming as well and all that. So that, that's coming down the pipeline. But I want to encourage you to go ahead and check that sermon out if you have not because this week's sermon picks up right where that sermon left off. And so today we're going to be talking about conflict, as I said. Look, unfortunately, it, it, conflict is still an issue today. It was an issue then, and it's an issue today. But hear this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just speak to your heart for a moment. It doesn't have to be. Conflict doesn't have to be an issue. Now, I'm not saying that we will not come to a place while living on this earth where we won't face conflict. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that while conflicts will arise, you can bank on that. We can come to a place of maturity where conflict doesn't create issues among us. That's the difference. The scriptures give us that evidence. And so for some of us, we might not think that that's possible. Maybe you've grown up And conflict has just always been a part of your life. It's been a part of your communication style. It's been a part of your marriage. It's been a part of rearing your children. It's been part of your home. It's been a part of your workplace. But what I want you to understand today, as we'll see from God's word, is that conflict is not God's plan. That's not God's plan. Thus, he gives us some deep found truths for our lives to help us in this area of conflict. So, For some of us, we might say, well, that's not possible for me. But as we're going to see from God's word, it's not only possible, it's available to us. If we'll learn to approach conflict from God's point of view. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's turn in our Bibles today to James chapter four. And we're going to start at verse one. James chapter four. And we're going to start at verse one. Verse one starts off by saying this. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Interesting question. I want you to begin to see that from the very beginning of this portion of his letter, God inspires James to challenge us to think not just about the conflicts that we have, but what's the source of them? What's the root? What's the issue? And so God says to you and I, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And watch what it says. Don't they come from your desires that battle within? Listen to what the Bible's saying here. Where do all the conflicts that we confront, that we find ourselves in, but you don't understand what they did to me, pastor. You just don't get it. Can I say something to you with love? Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. I say that only with love, ladies and gentlemen. The word of God shows us differently. And here's what the word of God is beginning to show us from the very beginning. See, the theme that James is addressing here is conflict. We all face it. We all undergo it. And we've all participated in it. Ain't that the truth? The question is, how do we overcome it? And more importantly, what does God have to say about it? We got to consider that. What does God have to say about conflict? What does God have to say about all the conflicts that are continuously occurring in my life that arise? Why am I always at odds with somebody? Why can't we all just get along? A couple of weeks back, we learned in James chapter 2 of our need to slow down in the area of speaking and anger so that we could speed up our listening. I alluded back then to something that I call the right fight. The right fight. And it's the right fight is where we tend, what we tend to do in the face of conflict. It's when we plant our flags It's when we declare our stance. It's when we refuse to lose any ground for the sake of proving I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, and you're wrong. See, the right fight in that context, it's not about resolution. It's not about agreement. It's about getting the other to yield and submit to our point of view. It's about getting to the place where we are declared right and the other is proved wrong. The only problem with that, as I said a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks back, is that while you may win and be declared right, you might wear that title. Well, I'm right and you're wrong. Dun, 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 dun. I won. Yes. Trust me, I can relate. I've been there while you can end up being right, you'll always end up with the wrong results if the goal is to be right. See, we end up with the wrong results. Results like divorce. Results like fractured trust. Results like resentment and anger. Results like hurt. See, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing right, should I say, about that approach, ladies and gentlemen. The right fight is the wrong approach. It is the wrong approach. So today I'd like to talk to you about the right fight. How to fight the right fight. How to win every time in conflict. And I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, hear what I just said. I guarantee you, if you will hear the word of the Lord, if you will hear what God has to say, about conflict you will face conflict but you will overcome every time and you will live in peace in peace i don't know about you but that's enough for me to lean in and go i really need to need to hear this what does god have to say about the sea? believe it or not there's a right way to engage in conflict there's a right way to quote unquote fight which leads to right results And for some of us, we're leaning in, but my hope is that you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. See, the right fight isn't about being right every time. The right fight is about facing conflict the right way every time and reaching a place of peace and understanding and unity always, always. But before we can get started today, we have to learn how to fight the right fight. We have to understand what causes conflict to go in the wrong direction. So I'm going to go back to verse 1 in James chapter 4 and we're going to read into verse 3 now. And James again asks in verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desire, You desire, but you do not have. And so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. And so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. According to God, according to what we're seeing in the scriptures right here, the motivation behind every conflict that we engage in and persists, the the, the very thing behind it, it all boils down to one single thing, self. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about my point of view. It's about me being right. It's about, what I hope to get. It's what I end up with. Listen, when me instead of we is at the heart of conflict, the results are bad. That's true. The results are bad. Let's put up verses one through three again. And I want you to see this. Actually, let's go from verse two. He says, You desire, but do not have. Watch this. And so you kill. You covet. That just simply means that you desire something that's with the wrong motive. It's not yours. It's not meant for you. He says you covet because you cannot get what you want. It's about what I want. It's about how I want it. It's about my way. It's all about me. Can we be honest with ourselves for a moment? In those moments when we're not in a place of agreement with somebody, what, what are we really doing? We're drawing our lines. This is my spot, and that's yours. And you need to come to mine. Who's it about? It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about my side. It's about what 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 I say. It's about what 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 I'm saying. How this is supposed to be. It's all about me. All about me. Hear the motivation. Of unhealthy conflict, of an an unhealthy approach to conflict. The problem isn't the person you're at odds with. The problem is you and I. It's selfishness. See, we believe in conflict that we're accomplishing, uh, what we're accomplishing is getting our point across. And somehow we're helping the other get it right. But I want you to see what verse 2 says. I want you to see that in reality, conflict kills. Listen to what he's saying. These Jewish believers weren't killing each other. That word kill there is a strong, strong word. And the emphasis is on Bringing the demise of another to the point that you completely and utterly do away with them. Isn't that what we do sometimes in conflict? We fight to be right to such an extent that we belittle, we diminish, we destroy people. We destroy relationships. See, conflict kills. It kills communities, it kills congregations, it kills marriages, it kills It kills children. It kills potential. It kills futures. It kills. It kills the motive at work when conflict goes south is never about coming to a place of peace. It's about selfish desires and getting what pleases us. And the reason why we don't see an end to the destruction that conflict inflicts is because we're seeking our way instead of seeking God in His way. Can I just say this to you, that there is a better way? There's a better way. There's a better way to approach conflict. There's a better way. Are you interested in hearing that today? Because I can just wrap up right now if you want. You're interested in that? Okay, cool. Well, let's let's look at James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 4 through 6. Watch what it says. He says, You adulterous people, to the humble. Now, I want you to think about this. If we could go back to verse four there, it almost sounds like it doesn't fit. Wait, what is he talking about? He's talking about conflict, and then he says, you adulterous people. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? And at face value, it would seem like, wait, he's shifting gears here. He took a rabbit trail, and no, he didn't. You know what James is talking about here? James is literally talking about understanding how conflict works according to the kingdom. And according to the kingdom of God, conflict should never be about me. It should be about us coming back to a place of unity. And so what James is saying to these hearers, maybe even some hearers here today, What James is saying is this, hey, if you're approaching conflict and you're at the center of it and it's about you, here's what he's saying. That is not according to the kingdom way. He's saying you're operating outside of the system that God has called you to function in now. That's not the way the love of God works. That's not how we operate in this kingdom. Thus, he says to these hearers, And hey, if the shoe applies today, if it fits, don't wear it, change it. Repent, turn around, run the other way, walk this way, don't go that way anymore. But listen closely. What he's saying is outside of approaching conflict this way, you have to understand something. You are aligning yourself with an enemy. You're not doing it God's way. And when you do it God's way, It's as if you're drawing a line. You're saying, God, I'm not doing it your way. I'm doing it my way. You've just declared yourself as if you were an enemy of God. It doesn't mean that you are an enemy of God, but you're placing yourself at odds with how the kingdom works. Let me put it to you this way. Suppose I took 20 tons, no, 40 tons of metal and I got it up on a crane And I said, we're going to let it go. And it is going to go up. How many of you would believe me? You go, no, that's going to drop every time. See, you understand the law of gravity. But if I told you that I have a 40-ton plane, and I said to you, we're going to push this thing out off off, off this, this runway, and it is going to fly, you see how laws change things? The law of the kingdom says love. And the law of the kingdom of love guarantees this that when you approach it God's way, you'll end up with better results. That makes sense? Makes sense? And so we shouldn't place ourselves at odds with God, with His system. We shouldn't. And so, there's a better way. I want to encourage you, do it God's way. I want to encourage you, do it God's way. Let's look at James chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 7, and then we're going to skip over to verse 10. And so, watch this. Watch this better way. Watch how this begins to unfold. He says in verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. You know what he's saying? He's saying, now that you understand. That there's a better way. Now that you understand that you're supposed to be doing this according to God's system, not yours, not this world's, not how this world says we approach conflict, not how you've been taught. No. Now that you know this, he says this, submit yourselves then to God. You know that word submit thing, you know what it talks about in the original language? It talks about, it's, it's, it's literally, uh, it's, it's a military term. And what it means is when one aligns themselves up in a specific order that complements the whole. Isn't that how an army works? Everyone's in rank, from private all the way up to captain or whatever it is, General. Everybody knows their rank. They know, they know their rank and they know their file. And then when they fall in order, an organized army is an army that wins. Get this. God uses a military term. And he says, align yourself, rank and file, how this kingdom works. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Watch this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. No, it's interesting. This this scripture has been taken so out of context so many times. You just gotta res, you, you just gotta submit yourself to God and resist the devil, but what does that mean? And in this context right here, in light of conflict, here's what it's saying don't approach conflict from the standpoint where you align yourself with your interests, with your selfish desires with your emotions and your feelings. He says, no, no, no. He says, when you align yourself, rank and file, as God calls it to be in the kingdom, watch what he says, then the devil flees. Here we are rebuking the devil. Devil, get out of my life. Well, how'd he get in there if you didn't let him in? Amen. Preach it. That's true. Preach it, brother. So sorry. Hope I didn't offend anyone. I'm really not sorry, but I hope you're hearing. Listen, my pastor used to put it this way. If the devil's on your back, you got to ask, how do you get up there? Listen, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 10, he goes on to say, humble yourselves before the Lord. Know what he's saying? Stop making it about you. Do it the kingdom's way. Take on the father's heart in this situation and watch this. And when you do, he will lift you up. When we do it God's way, the devil flees and we rise above the storms of conflict, ladies and gentlemen. And so I want to talk to you for the next couple of moments that I have here about how to fight that right fight, how to fight the right fight, how to really do it God's way. And one of the common emotions in the midst of conflict is what? It's anger. Anger. We get angry. We get angry. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm offended. You did me wrong. Right? I'm angry. And so when it comes to conflict, sometimes we view anger as a bad thing. But I want you to hear what the word says because anger is not a bad thing. Anger is not a bad thing. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. In your anger... Do not sin. You know, the King James puts it this way. It says, be angry and do not sin. So you see, the issue is not anger. It's what we do with anger. It's how we respond in anger. Remember we were saying last week, that anger or the week before that, anger without borders, without boundaries, that's wrath. It leads to reckless results, Right? So he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anger itself isn't bad. But have you ever stopped to think that in those moments when you're in the heat of anger, that what you really have is an opportunity to identify the wrong that you're about to do? You ever thought about that? You ever thought about that in the midst of anger? Right before you're about to say it, that your anger is Warning you something or about something. It's telling you, you are about to stick your foot in your mouth. You are about to crush your child's spirit. You are about to break this marriage. You are about to destroy this workplace. You are about to crush this person. Anger is an indicator. It's not a bad thing. It's what we do with anger. See, anger leads to something bad when it's exercised in a manner that gives the devil a foothold in your life. How many of you, if you had somebody knock on your door and go, bing bong, and you go, who is it? And you don't recognize this person, say, I'm here to steal and to kill and to destroy your home. Would you let me in? How many of you would welcome that person into your home? I bet you you wouldn't. I want you to hear this. Listen. And yet, knowing that that's the agenda that Satan has, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, we would be wise in the midst of conflict to not let anger dominate and go without restraints. Listen to what the word says. When we do, it says we give the devil a foothold. You know, I picture that this way. I picture someone sticking their foot right at the bottom of your door as you're trying to close it and going, No, 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 no. No, I'm coming in. I want you to think about this. All the devil needs is just a little anger that's unrestrained, that's out of control in the midst of conflict to get his foot in. He only needs a crack. The Bible tells us, don't do it your way. It's submit to God, resist the devil. How do we resist the devil? By doing it the way God calls us to. And mind you, that scripture is literally alluding to conflict. We should approach conflict the way God does. Hmm. And so, let me leave you with another thought here. If you're going to fight... Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to find yourselves in conflict at some point. If you're going to fight, fight for the right reasons. Fight to get to a place of agreement. I want you to hear the goal that we should be aiming for in conflict. Agreement. Let me show you that from scripture. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. And you know what's interesting about this word walk? It's not talking about just the physical act of walking. It's talking about a path leading somewhere. You know, life is a journey. We're all walking on this path with God, with each other. Maybe you don't know God. Hey, it's okay. Today, what I hope you discover is that God has wisdom for your life and he wants to take you a better way. So I want you to hear this. He says, do two walk together? He's talking about, can two walk on this journey? Can two get anywhere? Can you reach any destination point with someone? Unless you agree first. And you know, in the midst of conflict, we're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to reach a point, whether it's for the right reason or the wrong reason. But we're trying to get somewhere. And here's what this one little simple verse is revealing to us. Here's what God is showing us. That instead of fighting to be right, we should fight to be in unity with our fellow man. We should fight to be in unity with our brother, with our spouse, with our children. We should fight to unite, not to be right. We should fight to unite. Not be right. Listen, if you are going to engage in conflict, get your priorities in order. Because according to scripture, the goal is unity. The goal is agreement. If you're approaching conflict and you know already that you're fighting really the wrong fight, you're not fighting this the right way. You're not approaching conflict the right way. Listen, if your goal is not to get to a place of meeting, of agreement, where you can get past your selfish desires, then let me just say this to you. Don't engage. Because what you're going to do is destroy. You're going to kill. You're going to hurt. Fight to unite. Not to be right, ladies and gentlemen. Fight to unite, not be right. Listen, if you're going to fight the right fight, if you're going to do it God's way, you should aim for peace not vengeance. Hear this. Romans 12, verses 17 through 19. It says, do not repay anyone. You know what the scripture saying there? Don't approach not one person. Not one. Not even one. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. How about that one? (laughs) They did me wrong. I have every right to tell them this. I have every right to do this. You know what God says? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Watch this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Depends on who? On who? Oh, did you hear that? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but let room, leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, the truth is we all want peace. We all want peace. And you know at some point you get to a place in conflict where you say I just want to I just want to be at peace. I don't want the drama. I don't want I don't want the hurt. I don't want all that we've created. I don't want any of that. I just want peace. But you know the problem is that we're seeking peace instead of bringing it with us. You already have peace. You already have that. Jesus said, my peace, I give you. My peace, I leave you. I don't give like this world does. You have complete peace because I am the solution to everything in your life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Trust me. Do it my way. See, peace is contingent upon you living in it. It's contingent upon you living in it. Let me prove that to you from the scripture. We just read it. Can we put up Romans 12, 18? It says, if it is possible, you know, it's not questioning if peace is possible. You know what it's saying? If you make it possible. If it's possible, watch this, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. See, instead of seeking peace, bring the peace that's already yours. Scripture puts it this way in Philippians 4. It says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your requests known before God. You hear what what it's saying? Go to God. Trust God. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't, Don't fret in your way, in your plan, in how this world dictates. He says, no, 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 no. Go to God. And then it says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, watch this, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's time that we bring peace in the midst of conflict instead of our own selfish motives. You know, Jesus said this once, I believe it's in Matthew 5 or Matthew 6. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, that's not talking about people going to heaven. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's a quality of life right now. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, God himself, in the form of man, says this unto you and me. Blessing, my blessing works best, flows best when we make peace. Mm. Give you two more things and then we're done here. Listen, if you're going to speak the truth, do it with love. You're going to speak the truth in conflict, do it with love. Oh, but it's the truth. You did do that. You have failed this many times. Here you are again. I'm just telling you the truth. You can't get mad at me for the truth. Let's look at scripture about that. Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 15. It says, Then. We will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Paul, here, inspired by God, is talking about maturity. He's talking about growing up. He's talking talking to people and he's saying, hey... You've received all this doctrine. You've got all these gifts. You've got pastors and prophets and teachers and evangelists. You've got all this good stuff going on. And then he goes on to say, but it's so that you could grow. So you'll no longer be infants. So that you won't fall for the schemes of the enemy. And then he says, instead, watch this, speaking the truth in love. Watch this. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him. Who is the head? That is Christ. You know, conflict sometimes arises out of the spoken truth that we felt the need to make known. We just had to tell you the truth. You know, we even try and soften it. Man, I know you're going to get mad, but just know that I love you. But I got to tell you some truth, man. And there's no love in it. It's a sword. It's a sword. It's a sword. See, if you're going to tell someone the truth, it must be seasoned with love. Otherwise, it will not accomplish anything. Listen, it, might, it very well may be true. That what they said was wrong. That what they did was wrong. It may very well be true. That they've failed and they've promised time and time again. And so why should you trust them again? That very well may be true. But if all you do is give truth. And there's no love undergirding it. If the heart behind it isn't love. And remember last week we learned. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. We saw that in scripture if it's not spoken in love, with genuine love, it accomplishes nothing. Hmm. You know, one thing that we see here in relation to truth, unity, humility, and peace, all these things that come out of maturity that Paul talks about, is that truth and love must be functioning In order for something to grow. For us to grow. For our relationships to grow. Can I just put it to you this way? Truth without love is a lie. Truth without love is a lie. Let me tell you why. Oh, it might be the truth of the the matter. But you know what makes it a lie? You're not functioning according to God's truth. It's not done in love. It's not based on God's love and his ways. And so today I want to leave you with a closing thought about conflict. I want to encourage you to make the decision to go the extra mile. Make a decision. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking to the people of Israel. Israel. The thing is, they're in a really bad situation. They're under the dominion of an empire called Rome. They've undergone persecution. They've been ridiculed. They've been stripped of their lands, of their possessions. They've been forced to do things against their own will. And in the midst of this, Jesus is speaking to these people. And he says to them in verse 38 of Matthew 5, he says, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Watch what he's saying here. You got to get this. He's saying, you've been taught this way. This is what you've known to be the right way to do it. Someone takes your eye, you take their eye. Someone knocks out your tooth, you knock out their tooth. That's the right way. That's what you've been told. But remember, Jesus is introducing a new kingdom. And he says, but I, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Hey, check this out. These people up until this point were decided, they were resolved upon how to approach conflict the way they've been taught. Eye for an eye, two for a tooth. You slap me, I slap you back. You do me wrong, I do you wrong. You take from me, I'm taking from you. And Jesus is saying, no. Not according to my kingdom. Not not according to this way. And so he says to them, in verse 41, he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile Go with them two miles. You know what he's literally telling them there? You've probably heard me say this at some point here. Back in the, those days, the Roman law dictated that if a subject, someone who had been conquered that was under the dominion of Rome, a foreigner who was now under the dominion of Rome, was walking by a Roman soldier and that Roman soldier felt, I'm tired. I don't want to carry 100 plus pounds this heavy spear and this shield. You! Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you. Come here, come here. You're a Jew, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? You're going to take all my stuff and you're going to carry it. Now mind you, turn around, brother. This brother's hurting, man. He's hurting himself. He's struggling himself. He's got his own issues going on. And this guy goes, no, 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 no. On top of everything you got, you're going to take mine. And you know what? Roman law says you carry that for one mile, whether you like it or not. You can have a seat, brother. Thank you. Whether you like it or not, you got to carry that. Don't you dare mumble. Because then it becomes a whole nother story. He says, no, 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 no. You carry that for a mile. Watch what Jesus says. This world system, the Roman Empire system says, carry it for a mile. Jesus says, no, no. In my kingdom, you don't just go the mile. He says, no, you go two miles. You carry it for another one. You endure the weight. You grow through the hardship. You follow the kingdom's way. Because my way is the right way. Because my way leads you to paths of peace. To still waters. To green pastures. Hmm. Jesus is literally inviting us to live according to a greater kingdom for one reason so that we can find ourselves at the place of greater results ladies and gentlemen bad results in the midst of conflict do not begin in the moment of conflict it doesn't get bad when you're right in the thick of the conflict no 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 you know you know when conflict turns bad when we've already decided I'ma do this my way. Yeah. I'ma do this eye for an eye, two for a tooth. That's how I do it. Guess what? You can do that. But you'll suffer the consequences of it. How many broken relationships have we not endured? How many bridges haven't been burned that way? I leave you with a simple thought here as we stand. Don't fight to be right. Don't fight to be right. That's a losing battle, ladies and gentlemen. That's a loser's game. Instead, fight the right fight. If you're going to find yourself in conflict, and you will, and you're going to engage, engage God's way. Because the kingdom's system Reaps kingdom results. Walk this way. You know, it's, it's very possible that even today you came here in the midst of a conflict. It's possible that today maybe you're at conflict. You're at odds with someone here today. My hope is that today you've heard the word of the Lord. And that you will fight the right fight. Not to be right, but to do what's right. God's way. Father, today I thank you for these simple truths that you've instilled in our hearts. Your truth is what sets us free. Father, today, may we leave here with eyes enlightened. Hearts transformed minds renewed no longer seeking to do it our way but to do it your way no longer to put ourselves at odds with your kingdom but to align ourselves with the peace that you've already given us I thank you Lord that today as a result of what we've heard and what we are growing in that each and every one of us leave here as peacemakers That we bring peace. That restoration and redemption is possible. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. I thank you, Father, for healing that is flowing through the lives of your people and into the lives of others. I thank you, Lord, that decisions to forgive are made at this point right now. I thank you, Lord, that decisions are made from this point forward to no longer do it my way, to make it about me. No, Lord, instead, to look unto you. Thank you, Father, that today we are strengthened. We can be bold. And we can reap the right results.